good afternoon everyone trust you all are doing great i thank you all for enrolling yourself to this event our topic for this session is best practices in financial modeling by daniel steen fairhurst i am glad to introduce our speaker of the session daniel steen fairhurst she is the principal of lum solutions a sydney based consultancy specializing in financial modeling and analysis she is the author of using excel for business and finance modeling and financial modeling in excel for dummies she founded the financial modelers meetup groups and is on the judging panel for the 2019 financial modeling innovation awards and the diversity council for the model of financial modeling world championship thank you ma'am we welcome you over to you thank you very much can you hear me okay oh yes daniel we can hear you great well thank you so much for having me and for organizing this i'm very excited to be here uh i uh i'm a financial modeling specialist so financial modeling is my world it's uh it's what i do all the time it's uh pretty much my whole career is been about financial modeling and i love talking about financial modeling so i'm very happy to be here with you today to be talking about financial modeling so to start off i'd like to uh just get uh uh i suppose introduce uh introduce you to uh to a definition of financial modeling first of all because i know that there's most people watching this i imagine are uh financial uh, professionals uh that you're working in business and you're probably already doing a lot of financial modeling already and uh you know some would say that a financial model is really just a complex spreadsheet which uh i guess is uh is is what it is but uh to my mind i think a um, a more concise definition or precise definition is the idea that you have a problem with your business or or a financial problem let's say for example you're launching a new product or you're trying to get some funding or something like that and you need to create a a model or a a tool usually built in excel that could display possible solutions to that real world financial model model uh, or pro- problem that you have and to me that's the definition of of financial uh, modeling so i uh i love i love financial modeling so much i've actually written two books about the subject and uh they're both they both cover financial modeling um so kind of similar similar types of 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 topics uh, are covered or in in both books but uh the financial modeling for dummies actually I've got a copy of it right here um that one is written in a more dummy style and using excel for business and financial modeling uh that is actually the third edition um of that one and that's uh more probably a little more detailed really uh so i'm going to be drawing on some examples from both of those books because best practice in financial modeling is such an important topic that i've covered it in both books so i'll be drawing on um both of those books for some examples today and 
what I really want to focus on is error, uh, errors in financial modeling. And if you Google Excel horror stories, I'm sure you will have heard lots and lots of horrible examples of Excel gone wrong or uh, Excel horror stories where people have created uh, Excel models and, and, and done all sorts of uh, uh, all sorts of awful, awful things with uh, with financial models, and we don't want our financial models to be a horror story. And so, what I uh, a lot of the financial modeling best practice that I'm going to talk about with you today is about um, errors and trying to reduce the possibility of uh, being a star in your own Excel horror story. So we don't want that to happen to you. If you are doing, um, if you're using Excel and using Excel for financial modeling, you should be terrified of having a mistake or a financial model error in your model. So um, if you are not terrified of having a, uh, a mistake in your model, then you should be. So probably the number one thing that people worry about and I think there's probably most errors in financial models could probably come down to three different types of errors. There's formula errors. So formula errors are pretty easy to make a mistake in Excel, you know, where you just pick up the wrong cell or you put the dollar sign in the wrong place or something like that. But they're the most embarrassing when something like that happens. So you really don't want that to happen. So, um, Formula errors are probably um, the one, the most career damaging. So we we try to reduce that from happening. Um, the second one is incorrect assumptions. So just putting in or making the wrong assumption or the wrong input. And as a financial modeler, you may or may not um, be responsible for the assumptions. Um, but that's probably the easiest to fix, but also the easiest to check. Uh, and they can also make a huge difference to the uh, output of the financial model. And lastly, the logic error. Logic er errors are, are awful. So logic errors can be very difficult to identify. So it can be quite hard to pick up when there's a logic error in your in your model. So thinking about those different types of errors, these are the four different areas that I'd like to cover with you today. Uh, so most of the best practicing practices that I'll be talking about are to reduce the possibility of having an error in your financial models. So <coughs> let's jump into it. The first thing I'd like to talk about is assumptions documentation. So um, assumptions documentation is really important um, in modeling. Uh, I find it really terrifying when people say, hey, we're going to go ahead with this multi-million dollar project because the financial model says we're going to make all this money. And unless you know what the assumptions are, it's quite difficult to, uh, to, to, to take or to believe what the financial model tells you. So really, uh, the reason that we should document assumptions is because any financial model is garbage in and garbage out. How's that? So um, I'll continue to talk about uh, the documentation of assumptions. So please feel free to jump in if my, uh, I'm not sure what happened there, sorry about that, uh, if my sound drops off again. So we were just talking about uh, documenting assumptions. So uh, any financial model should really be garbage in and garbage out. 
So having assumptions documentation will help with the validation. And um, it's a good idea to list all of the assumptions on a separate page. And the more detail you can put in there, the better. Um, I'd like to talk now about some um, actual techniques of how to document uh, assumptions in your financial model. So I'm going to take you over into Excel now and we'll have a look at some of the different ways of actually documenting assumptions. So I'm just going to jump over to Excel. So you should be able to see my Excel now. Let me know if you can't. And I've got a, uh, an overview of what perhaps what might look like an assumptions page. And um, I'll just zoom in just a little bit. And what you can see here is I've actually created some comments. And these are quite quite new to Excel. They've only been out uh, with the latest version. So if you right-click, you can go in and um, reply. And you can create these kind of threads of comments. So that's not a bad way of documenting assumptions. The other thing you can do is put in a note. It's now called a note. That used to be called a comment. Comments are now the other thing. This is the note. So you can actually put in some kind of comment in here and that will create the little red flag in there. I don't use those terribly much. I find them a little bit messy and people don't really see them unless they hover over them. I would actually prefer to do a, uh, a comment like this where you click on the cell and then you see it pop up. So that's a data that was done using a data validation. So if I go into data and then jump into data validation there, you can see that I've actually created an input message under data validation. And I quite like those because you click on it and it's like you are reminding somebody before they type into the cell. So that's um, a really good way of uh, I think, of documenting assumptions. Another way is just simply to do some footnotes. I'll just zoom in just a little bit. And so that's just been um, using some formatting of superscript and you just um, it's just very, very uh, simple, simple solution. Uh, the way that um, you can actually do it here, if you go into print layout, you can actually go in and go into the footer and the header. I don't recommend doing that in financial models because nobody's going to see it unless you print it out. And most of the time, you're actually looking on a soft copy of Excel. Uh, so, yeah, probably I think footnoting is not a bad idea. The other one is hyperlinks that you can, you know, type out, you know, ATO or something like that. Um, you could actually just type out the link or just click in it there. The other thing you could do is go into insert and add in perhaps a link and in this document and you can jump to a particular name. If you want to link to borrowing, for example, you can click on that. That's going to jump back to uh, to where you were and then you can and then you go back to where I was there. So that will can help with navigation. Probably not so much with documentation, but when you're trying to help people to navigate throughout the model. Um, probably one of my favourite methods of documenting assumptions is just literally to type it out like that. It's just nothing fancy about that. If you do want to get a little bit fancier, you could do something like that. So you could have text with inverted commas around it. 
I will make this file available. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, to get in there and, and see some of these examples, I'll make this available to be sent out. And um, so what we've done there is just use the text and use the text uh, formula to format it. So, for example, you know, if this number were to change to something else, and you can see there that automatically changes. And, of course, if the, if the date were to change 2022, for example, that would automatically change also. So that's um, been done with the documentation of using the ampersand to string it together, more for commentary or for documentation. So if you're ever wanting to make comments about the model, uh, like notes or something like that, I definitely would recommend using um, that technique as well. So just um, jumping back, so that is uh, just a couple of techniques on how to um, how to document assumptions because I think that's probably one of the fundamental points of financial modeling best practice is to add documentation of assumptions so we know why you should document assumptions and that's how to document assumptions. So uh, the next thing I'd like to talk about is some strategies for reducing error. So um, yeah, a lot of uh, best practices about reducing error. And in fact, there's actually a whole chapter in the Dummies book, which is all about, uh, I think chapter 13 uh, covers the 10 strategies for reducing errors in financial modelling uh, in great detail. So I'm going to go through each of those different points now with you. So the first one is to use the enter key. So I do find that, um, I, to my mind, I think that using the enter key is the first line of defence against errors in financial models. So let me show you what I mean. So if I go back to this example in Excel, what I find here is if I were to create a formula that looks like that, um, and then I hit the enter key and I look at it and I go, ah, oh, does that number look right because what I see a lot of people do is they edit the formula and then they click somewhere else and they haven't actually looked at the result so I know you can double click on a formula and click somewhere else and yes it will it will work but do try to get into the habit of always hitting that enter key when you've finished it so just click just be really really um uh, definitive about, okay, I'm finished editing the formula and now I'm going to hit the enter key because if you were to click somewhere else, that can happen and it can cause problems. So um, try to get into the habit of always using the enter key rather than clicking somewhere else afterwards. And after you've hit the enter key, look at the formula. So does it look right? Does it look correct? And then after you've, you've ch you check it, so check it yourself and uh, check it again. Uh, and not a bad idea to use the F2. So F2 is your shortcut that's going to give you a view so you can see if it's picking up the right cells. Uh, even get out a, an offline calculator and make sure that the values are picking up correctly. And then after you've checked it three times, get someone else to check your work. So uh, not a bad idea to have some have a colleague, have a deal. I used to have a deal going with one of my colleagues and I would say, look, I'll check your model if you check my model so that because sometimes you really can't see 
the problems in a financial model because you're so close to it. You've been looking at these formulas for so long and you just simply can't see the problems that are there. And so um, sometimes somebody, when you show somebody else or somebody else takes a look at it um, and runs a few checks, they can see things that you can't see. So get someone else to check your work. work. And, of course, uh, documentation and validating your assumptions is, uh, is, is a definitely a strategy for reducing error. And uh, document your methodology as well. Um, sometimes it's quite a good idea to have a flow chart where you're sort of um, this can actually reduce logic errors. So if you're trying, if you can actually show uh, exactly the flow of the data or the flow of the calculation throughout the model, then that can really help to visualize uh, the problem uh, or or the flow of information throughout the model or the way that the calculations work. Excel does not do that very well. Um, Power BI is great or access where you can actually look at the relationships between the data, um, but Excel doesn't do that very well. So uh, try to, um, you know, even create some kind of a visual documentation of uh, what the, what the, how the calculations uh, actually work. Uh, the next one is stress testing. Uh, so stress testing would be if you put some nonsensical inputs. So, for example, uh, if you were to put your price to zero, then you would expect that your revenue would be zero as well. So, um, yeah, just uh, obviously you're never going to charge zero for your price for your rev for your uh, item. But you want to test that and just to make sure that the mechanics of the model are working correctly. Um, so, for example, you might say um, you could double your headcount and then you would expect that your staff costs would double as well. Uh, if you were to change your growth rate to zero, you would expect the forecasts not to increase. Um, also, visualisation can help. So, charting metrics over time. Um, yeah, so that can, that can certainly help. Uh, the next one is, uh, running some scenarios. So showing, uh, you know, if, if, if we show a worst case scenario, you would expect all of the outputs to go down. And if you run a best case scenario, you would expect them to go up. So I'm going to just show you an example, um, perhaps what, of what a scenario in a financial model might look like. I'm just going to jump over to the next page here. Um, and this example here, we have a very simple uh, property development example. And you can see our profit margin here is 14%. And if I, that's on our base case. But if I change the drop down to best case, you can see there that the profit has increased. And then if I were to change that to worst case, oh, and we end up making a loss. So those sorts of things by um, toggling between different scenarios, so that can really help to uh, to just really sense check your model and uh, try to make sure that there are no calculation errors or input errors in your model. The next thing is some Excel errors. Now, I know some people hate seeing Excel errors. I don't mind seeing an Excel error. It means that there's a problem and I can fix it. What I, I'd rather see an error like this. What I don't want to see is a number 
that looks like it's right when in fact it's completely wrong. That is much, much worse than having an Excel error like this. I know that you can suppress errors, uh, but I sometimes I do it, uh, but quite often I'll just leave errors so that I can actually see them and then I can I can fix them before I complete the model. So this one's not really an error. Um, the div zero just means you're trying to divide by zero. NA usually with a lookup of some sort, a name, a named range. Refs are pretty horrible. Ref means that you are referencing off the page or you've deleted it, so they're quite hard. Uh, Values, not really a big deal. I really wanted to talk to you actually about a spill error. So a spill error is a new type of error uh, because it's it's part of the new um, dynamic arrays that have come out with Excel 365. So I just wanted to thought I'd demonstrate what a spill error might look like, just in case you ever come across one, uh, so you'll know what it is because it's fairly fairly new. And if you haven't been using dynamic arrays for very long, you might not have seen them before. Um, so let's say, for example, I've got a list of cars here and I wanted to make a, uh, a unique list. So let's say I wanted to use it in a drop-down or I wanted to do a summary report of some sort. Now, ordinarily, you could just go into data, and I could go into um, uh, to go in and where has it gone? Um, it's uh, that one there. Remove duplicates. I've got my resolution up really high, so the res uh, go to remove duplicates in there, and that would remove my duplicate. Um, but I don't want to do that. I want to leave my original list there. I'm going to use one of the new formulas called a unique, and I'm going to. Highlight and that is oh no it's not I'm going to get a spill error and the problem with that is that it's a dynamic array and it's trying to copy the same formula all the way down and there's something in the way so I'm going to just move that out of the way and you'll see there that that has fixed it so if you ever see a spill error it probably means that you're doing a or your Excel is trying to do a dynamic array. And there's something in the way and it can't, um, it can't sort of, um, you know, work it out. So that will cause a spill error. So if you ever see one, uh, that's the problem. And lastly, the circular reference, not really an error, but, um, I wanted to talk about it because it's quite, um, it's, it's quite relevant for financial modeling, uh, these circular references. Uh, you can't have a circular reference in a model. I know that some modelers will say, yes, 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 you do. You should have, if you have a circular reference, you just need to enable iterative calculations. Um, in my experience, it generally causes a lot of problems. And this is the situation that they're talking about where you've got a P&L, a cash flow, and a balance sheet, and you've got your interest calculation that is driving your profit. And your profit is driving your funding, and your funding is driving your debt, and your debt is driving your uh, interest, and your interest is driving your profit, and you end up with this big circular reference. And uh, I find if you enable iterative calculations, that is going to um, allow that circular reference, and it will calculate. I do find that it causes a few problems. Um, yeah, I usually, uh, yeah, you end up with quite a few um, issues when you do that. So I, my recommendation would be to get around it mathematically if you can, if you just do a working PNL, or you can um, run a macro that will pay or so break the loop um, basically in that way. So that's a way of getting around the 
circular reference. So um, the last strategy for reducing error is one that's very important is uh, error checks. So a good financial modeler is always looking for opportunities to include error checks in their model. So whenever you see that this, you know that this calculation here should be equal to this calculation here, uh, you want to make sure that they're the same, and so you just do an error check to uh, to fix that. So, um, yeah, uh, checks, though, will generally um, help other people using the model or later on. It's not going to help you when you're building the model. It will identify if somebody is using the model and they're using it incorrectly. So if they've put in uh, perhaps an input that isn't uh, that it's not expecting or something like that. So error checks should not replace good modeling practice is an important thing to remember. So um, those were all of the 10 strategies for reducing error. So um, I got those from chapter 13 of this book. So I'd like to go in now that I've covered that. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit more about error checks. So I think I'll just show you perhaps a couple more examples uh, of, of error checks uh, because it is a, an important part of financial modeling. Uh, so the options for building error checks are to just basically say one cell minus the other or you could do um, cell equals equals and that will give you a true false. Um, if you do want to show the word error, some people like to say okay, 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 or error, 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 something like that, then um, if you use this does not equal, that's a little dangerous. Uh, that can sometimes cause a false error. Uh, so I'd recommend that using the absolute value of one cell uh, minus the other is greater than one. That will actually allow a tolerance for error. Um, and you could use a summary page that will summarize all of the errors. Um, let's have a look at Excel. I just want to show you some examples of some different error checks there. So for example here, um, so this is an example of an error check that's using the absolute value if you're able to see that one there. So that's if the absolute value of one cell minus the other is greater than one, give me an error otherwise of zero. So for example, if I were to go in and say manual space, because that space is often going to cause a problem, and that will give me um, an error and I pop some additional formatting over like that. So just a really, really simple error there. Um, this is another, this is probably an even simpler one. My favorite way of doing an error check is something like this where you've got your sales, salary, rent, overheads, and you want to spread that out over 12 months by using some phasing. And so by doing that, um, we just multiply it by the phasing amount there, and we want to make sure that that cell there is equal to that cell there. And to do that, I've just done one cell minus the other. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing an error check that looks like that. Um, so I probably, that is probably the most common way that I build, that I build an error check basically. So let's jump back into here. Um, yeah, so just be careful that Excel does truncate at 14 decimal places. Uh, so sometimes it might say that it's 0 .000000 out when in fact, you know, so um, just be 
aware of that. Um, yeah. So just uh, now that we've talked about error checks, I just wanted to jump in now and talk about a couple of um, tips and tricks and do's and don'ts for financial modelling best practice. So that is my last point. So uh, probably the one that I think is the most important uh, in uh, when you're building a model is to have consistent formulas. So this is something that uh, often some really advanced um, Excel people don't always do. It's actually uh, Excel 101, and that's just using the dollar sign. So let me show you what I mean by that. Um, yeah, so let's say here where if I say um, that multiplied by that, um, instead of going like this, that multiplied by that, and then I would have to go equals that multiplied by that, and instead of having to do that each time, multiplied by that, um, it is a much better practice to use your dollar sign. So you can use your F4 shortcut to put the dollar sign in. So if you put the dollar sign in front of the column, the column remains the same, and you put it in front of the row, the row remains the same. And that way, you can copy it all the way across and all the way down. And if you have thousands and thousands and thousands of rows and you might be going out for, you know, 65 years or something like that, um, it will work perfectly. And it's always trying to have consistent formulas and as few unique formulas. That's one single formula and that is uh, a much better practice way of building it. If you're going to get your model audited, uh, one of the things I look for is how many unique formulas are in the model. The more formulas in the model, the more difficult it is to audit and the more expensive it's going to be. So uh, be, be careful of that. Um, if you did want to do that same technique, you can do it with dynamic arrays. So dynamic array formulas will... Um, one of the things I do like about these new dynamic arrays is that they are... Uh, consistent. They are basically forcing you to be consistent, which is quite helpful. Uh, if you do want to use named ranges, you can see I've created a named range here. That's interest rate one, that's interest rate two, and that's interest rate three, like that. Um, that means you have to have one formula here, one formula here, and one formula here, uh, which means that you don't have consistent formulas. So I don't recommend doing uh, it like that because it's not consistent. If you do want to use named ranges, you could use a name, one whole name like that, or you could do one whole name like that, and then you could use the whole lot like that, and that's okay. I still um, think it's a little bit confusing. Uh, I actually still prefer to do it like that. I think that is probably the easiest way to just be able to follow uh, what you're trying to uh, what you're trying to do. So that is my first uh, tip and trick for uh, financial modelling best practice. Uh, my next point is to always link as much as possible. So always linking, not hard coding, um, because you want to be able to link back and trace and see 
where um, where the numbers are coming from. Uh, if you are going to link to external files, I prefer not to link to external files if you can possibly help it. But if you do want to link to external files, then perhaps using named ranges is not a bad idea uh, because that's just a bit more consistent. Um, it's sorry, more robust. So rather than using a cell reference, the changes then the named range um, will be more of a robust way of building the formula. Uh, so let me just show this. I've got an example here for you. Uh, for linking, let's say for example here, make that one a little bit bigger, let's say you've got your MPV, you've got your project, here's your cash flow, that's your cost of capital and so by linking it there um, everything is just simply going to drive through. So if I change that to 9%, everything's going to change. And even did you notice that the title of the chart automatically changed as well? So that was a dynamic title like we did earlier. And I've actually just linked that through to the title of the chart. So by linking it, you just have to change one single formula uh, and it all just flows through, which brings me to my next point of only entering it once. So you have one single formula and everything flows through. So you should never hard code within a formula. So let me go to my next example here. So let's say here you've got a staff budget that looks like that. You've got your start dates here. That's your date there. And let's say uh, you so the, the, uh, not a, a good way of building a model, particularly with the dates, is you have a start date here and you have everything rolling forward. So this one I've used, um, if you can see that, um, depending on how big your screen is, um, that is using a, an EO month formula. So it takes you to the last day of the month and then you just put the plus one in it like that. So if I were to go into here and change that to... 22, the date was to change, everything just rolls forward there. So I really only have to change it once and everything flows through. Uh, and just going back to this example, this is another reason why you should always link. If you're doing a um, cash flow, for example, uh, a corkscrew cash flow, a good financial model, uh, you know, if you are linking, if you're creating like a, a of financial statements, which is often uh, the purpose of a financial model, is to build a PL or an income statement, uh, a PL cash flow, and a balance sheet. To have all of those linking together is a beautiful thing. So, a three way financial model, in order to do that, this is uh, what perhaps the cash flow forecast might look like. You have your opening balance that links down to your closing balance, which links up to your opening balance which links down to your closing balance. We call that a corkscrew cash flow. And if you don't link, it doesn't work. So that's a really important, uh, important that you link right throughout the model like that. Um, and the last point, my last tip for our financial modeling and best practice is formatting and labeling. So um, using symbols, uh, making your labels really clear and formatting. Uh, it just makes your model so much easier to read. It can avoid mistakes and misinterpretation because one of the most common mistakes in financial models uh, is mixing units, uh, not necessarily apples and oranges, but perhaps currency, like you might mix up 
pounds versus um, dollars or something like that and not realize that they're different units. And so that's why it's really important to make it very clear what the units are by using formatting and also for labeling. And most of my models will have one row that is dedicated for units or one column that is completely dedicated to units, just to make that really clear what those different units are. So let's say, for example, here, if somebody were to give you a report or a model that looks like that, it's quite difficult to read. Um, there's just, uh, yeah, the labels are really awful. Uh, you, you know, this, 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 uh, formatting is, uh, like very higgledy piggledy, makes it quite difficult to read. Percentage as a title is, is, is really not very helpful. The word amount is not very helpful either. Uh, you can see that it's an amount. It's like calling it a number. Um, it should be right aligned. Um, you should have some formatting. Having commas in, in, in a number makes it much easier to read. Uh, having a, uh, you know, brackets around the formatting um, would just make this uh, a, a much, much easier to read. So um, those are basically the points of best practices that I wanted to cover with you today. So we are going to take some questions very soon. So what we talked about was the why and the how of assumptions documentation. Uh, we covered 10 strategies. Wow, we covered a lot, didn't we? Uh, we covered some 10 strategies for reducing error. Uh, we looked at building error checks into your financial models and we did some tips and tricks and do's and don'ts uh, for financial modeling. Um, and uh, yeah, if you have some questions uh, or some comments or something that you would like me to talk about, we still have a couple of minutes left if there's one. Uh, I know I covered a huge amount there, so if there's something you'd like me to go over in more detail, uh, we can come back to it. Uh, these are, um, if you like uh, the presentation, I do some um, online training. So those are the online training courses that I have available. They are mostly on demand, which means that you can sign up and, um, and do them, the pre-recorded videos. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention that you might be interested in, if you are pursuing a career as a financial modeler, then you might think about becoming a certified financial modeler. And uh, this is quite a well-regarded certification. It's run by the Financial Modeling Institute. I am a, an approved training provider for um, the Financial Modeling Institute. But uh, what the Institute does is sit, you have to sit an exam twice a year. And so uh, you need to build a full set of financial statements in four hours. So that is quite a challenge. It is a grueling exam. Uh, very few, there's a very, fairly low pass rate. Um, a lot of people don't pass the first time around because it's quite, quite a, quite a, a strict time frame. And you get given um, a set of financial statements, historical, and you need to do a projection for five years. It's a physical exam. So you have to actually be there physically um, and, and sit that. So that's run. The next one's coming up. I think it's the 24th of October. So that's something that you might consider doing. Um, yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I have some. Um, I also run some meetups as well, so I have some um, 
virtual uh, virtual meetups coming up. So there's one coming up on Wednesday night uh, on uh, Supercharge Your Excel uh, about how to improve the speed of your financial models. Uh, there's quite a few um, things relating to financial models. I uh, ran some meetup groups, or I, or I do run some meetup groups in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane in Australia, and we're not able to meet uh, physically at the moment. So uh, we've been doing all of our meetups virtually. So you are very welcome to join me. Um, that's the side if you'd like to join. So yeah, uh, Deepak, do we have any um, any questions or comments or anything people would like to cover? in a little more detail. How are we going? Uh, yeah, Daniel, uh, so far, no questions. Uh, okay. The comments are, the tips and tricks are very good. They are really okay. helpful for the members. They have learned some unique formulas today. Uh, okay. So, they are, the comments are positive. We are just waiting for some more comments. I mean, if you can, if you want to run through any more topic, let me know. Would you like to run through any of the topic in detail? Uh, well, I can sort of go in. I can, I can talk. You know I can talk about this stuff for hours. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Assets, can, there are no questions. Assets, there are no questions. Yeah. Is there a particular area you think that would be more useful that I should – I can – we have a, we still have a couple of minutes left, so we can um, cover uh, one, of, uh, one of the areas in more detail, if you'd uh, like. Would you would you like to share a sample uh, model something like that? Um, I to, yeah, sample. I don't have one readily available. Uh, yeah, so I suppose um, uh, what a what a lot of people think of as a financial model is a three way financial model. We have the financial statements, um, but that's not necessarily the only type of financial model. A lot of models are not. Not where you're not looking at the entire company. Uh, you might be uh, just looking at, uh, you know, a particular um, area of a company or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so um, I can. Um, yeah. So ah, uh, you have a question about the dynamic title. The um, yeah, sure, sure. The um, going back to the this chart was that the one um yeah so what we did was we created a chart so that's uh i might just if i create that one again and show you how that was done if we highlight the chart like that and we go to insert a chart like that and it automatically creates a title like this but i can change that title to something else so I can go to here and just press equals link and then just hit enter. And so that's created um, a title like that. And so I've done that using um, using the text. So um, if you wanted to do something like, um, you know, MPV, so I'd say equals MPV and then ampersand and link it to 9%, but of course, um, the way that it's formatted, um, you can't really, really see it very well. Um, so I would then need to go in and format that as the text. And we'll go hash. So that's what it would look like. 
um, inverted commas in there, and then close bracket. So you would be able to change change that there, and then you can um, uh, sometimes you can do a little uh, little text box that might link. You do a similar thing there. Um, you could also you can also link that to there. I won't do that now. But basically, yeah. but then basically, if your um, cost of capital was to change to ten percent, then you can see that everything changes um, throughout the model. Um, yeah, so the, the, uh, so we have a question about the dynamic arrays. Okay. Um, actually, that was actually something I didn't, I might just quickly cover this and then we'll talk about the dynamic arrays. Um, this was actually an example that, um, was what we often find, um, one of the errors that we often find in financial models is where you've got data and it actually stops at the bottom like that, um, and that can be quite dangerous uh, and, 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 and wrong. So what we often find is people go like this, so they highlight the entire column, which is, uh, is actually making your model work much, much harder than it needs to. So um, what I recommend instead is if you use a table um, to insert, you go to insert table, then the formulas look like that instead. So I'll show you how to do that. I'll go back to that example there and I'll say insert table and that's actually going to convert it to a table. And so then when you go in and use the formulas, instead of using dynamic formulas like that, um, sorry, uh, static formulas, you use the names like that so the range would be the region and then the sum range would be the sales, something like that. And that's um, just a much uh, better practice way of building, um, building the formula. Okay. Um, so, yeah, just going back into the dynamic arrays, um, so that's, the dynamic, you can tell that it's a dynamic array because it's got this little blue line that goes around the outside. Um, so probably one of my favourites is the one that I showed you there, which was the unique. I say unique, equals unique, and then that. And so that will um, automatically create a unique list like that. So if I were to, you know, create a new one like that, it'll automatically pop up a little bit like a pivot table used to do, but um, but much quicker and a, a more in, in a more dynamic way. Okay, uh, how are we going? Oh, okay, we do have more questions. Uh, when we create dynamic arrays, sometimes we encounter circular errors. Um, I don't think that dynamic arrays are necessarily more prone to um, circular references than anything else. If you do have a circular reference, I'll just show you how to fix a circular reference. So let's say here's a here's a um, an example, perhaps of what I'm make that a little bit bigger. So if you've got a um, a formula that looks like that, and let's say if that was F6, a really simple example of a circular reference. So a circular reference basically means a formula 
that's um, linking to itself. And the easiest way to find, so basically, like I said earlier, if you have a circular reference in a model, you need to find it and you need to kill it. And you can tell that there's a circular reference there. It says F6. And that makes it quite easy to find. But sometimes circular references are much, much harder. So let's say you're over here and I can't see. It doesn't tell me where my circular references are. So the easiest way to find a circular reference is to go into your formulas, go to error checking circular references, and you can just jump. It will actually find, you can hunt it down and find out what the problem is and click on that, it will jump straight to the circular reference. Um, how do we clear the errors? Um, I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by clear the errors. That's, a, that's how you would clear a circular reference. So you basically need to find what the problem is and, and basically fix that. So that's that one. Um, if you have um, errors, so you could trace the errors or run error checking, we'll find um, any Excel errors on the entire sheet. So that, uh, that can help. Uh, can you please elaborate on how to create a good summary sheet in modeling and its best practices? Okay, um, how to create a good summary sheet. That's um, quite a, a broad question. And I mean, a financial model could be for any purpose. So what you put on the summary sheet is really, um, could be anything. It really depends on, it could be a dashboard. Um, it could be a summary of the changes. It really depends on what the purpose of the financial model is. If you go into the FMI um, financial modeling exam, then you are, um, you part of, you have to actually build a summer, a cover sheet and a, a summary sheet. If you don't have a summary sheet and a cover sheet, you'll actually lose marks. So on the cover sheet, you have to have the name, the purpose and the date. On a summary sheet, you have to have the P&L cash flow um, balance sheet summary, like just the balances, and you also need to have some ratios. So that's what that's what is appropriate for a three-way financial model, but it really depends on um, on what the situation is. Uh, how difficult is it to create a model for funding scenarios? Um, it could be really simple, or it could be more. It really just depends on the the type of, um, of situation, really. How is a fund funding model different from other models? Um, okay. I Not really. I mean, models are so different to each other. Um, a funding model would usually be when you want to work out how much cash is required. So you must always start with the end in mind. So um, you say, well, the purpose of the model is for funding or to find out the funding. And so you work out what is the income, what is the out, what's the in, incomings, what are the outgoings, and then work out the cash flow shortfall. Um, and so that's how the model would be structured. Um, can the users get a template for getting to know all the features of financial modeling? Okay. Uh, wow. People often say that. They say, can I have a template for a financial model? Well, gosh, it really, there's just so many different types of templates out there. Um, yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's just so many. Um, 
uh, yeah, I can recommend some good resources. Here we go. There's one there. And there's another one there. So um, I have a website which I have lots of um, other YouTube channel and lots of lots and lots of resources. And also the um, the virtual meetups that we're running, they're, um, they're all free and um, similar. So you can learn a lot from there. And we always give away um, the models as well. Uh, overview Daniel, of the title. Daniel, can yes. you show the book for the members? A book. Uh, yeah, sure. I can, um, even better, I can uh, share the, why don't I go back to here. Um, go back to there. How about that? That's what the books look like. Um Overview or share your experience on the career advice as a financial modeler. Um, I think it's a fantastic career. Uh, you, it is, um, it is very much a skill that's in demand. I think there's very few people who have, who would call themselves a financial modeler. Like uh, I am privileged to call myself a financial modeler uh, because financial modeling is all I do. For most people, though. Financial modeling is just part of what you do. So you might um, have a, a role in an organization and the majority of your work will be in finance or um, doing reporting or analysis or something like that. And part of that will be financial modeling, um, but not all of it. And it's just such a great skill to have on your CV. And I find that... Um, I think that, you, you know, there's some, I mean, I'm a trainer, I teach people how to build financial models, but um, I think that what what employers are looking for is um, is experience. Um, you know, get, having a, reading a book on financial modeling is great, coming on a training course is great, but actually having some hands-on experience at building a financial model at your organisation. So I'd rec my recommendation would be to try to get as much experience as you hands-on. Like modelling is a practical thing. Like, yes, you can read about it, but you need to actually build it and you need to do it. And having that sort of experience is um, is going to be is, is, is going to be great when you um, the next time you need to go for a job interview. Uh, what is spill error? What is the workaround to edit the formula down? The workaround with the spill error is you need to find out what's in the way and get rid of it. <laughs> really um, how they get around the spill error. Okay, so um, any other any other questions? Um, financial on career, financial modeling job versus financial modeling consultant. Um, well, either really, um, you know, I think if you are a consultant, I'm a consultant, so I have sort of two sides to my role. I teach people financial modeling, but then I also work as a consultant. So a lot of the work, well, all of the work that I do is I go into organizations and help them with their financial models. And it's such a specialist skill that people know a little bit about it, but um, having a, um, you know, being a professional modeler, you're going to be so much faster than somebody who only does it part of the time. So if you're a professional financial modeler and you do this all day, every day, you're going to be so much quicker than anybody else. And so as a consultant, then that's, um, uh, you know, because you just, you think in a certain way. And I um, I think it's such a such a great career and, and it's a skill that's just so um, widely applicable to so many different um, 
industries and companies. It's just um, uh, it's it's just such a such a great skill to have, um, particularly in the current climate. You know, where things are, a lot of the financial models that we're building are to predict the future, and we don't know what the future holds. And so, being uh, having really good financial modeling skills um, is just so, so good to have. Um, how to build a growth model. Um, yeah, well, hopefully it's growth. Um, I presume you mean more like a, a forecasting model where you're looking into the future and seeing how things grow. Um, most models are time series, so they're normally looking um, into the future and you've got your years or your months across the top um, and there's, yeah, lots of different ways of doing that. Um, so you need to consider your escalation. How are you going to increase or what growth factor you're going to use um, uh, on that uh, in the model? So you could either base it on historical data. At the moment, that's probably not a great thing to do because we really don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, what I recommend really is for drivers to use the drivers of them, um, you know, your drivers might be things like headcount or, you know, other other factors and then use those and then index your um, the outputs of your models to the to the drivers and then you can run scenarios and sensitivities on um, on the financial model. Yeah. Um, how would you grow a uh, growth model for a local government? Um yeah, I don't know that government really would be anything specifically different to other types of models. I mean, every industry has got its own uh, things that are different to other industries. And, and one of the skills of a financial modeler is um, knowing your industry. Uh, I know a little bit about lots of different industries. So I think it's important to know, like if you're working for local government, to know um, how things are calculated, you know, what the drivers are, for example. Um, those things are important for, uh, for a, a, a government. How do we stop the spill error from spilling automatically? I wish I knew. Um, no, you cannot. The dynamic array, the first, when I first got dynamic arrays, the first thing I Googled, how do you turn dynamic arrays off because they're really annoying? Um, you can't. <laughs> if you have dynamic arrays, they are here to stay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There may be somebody who knows how to do it, but I couldn't figure it out. Uh, so I had to learn to live with them. And so uh, to stop the spill error, um, yeah, I, I don't think you can. Uh, I think we'll just have to figure out what it's doing and stop it. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. On behalf of Excel and Excel, we are so happy to have an opportunity to learn a lot from your session. It was brief and precise. I am sure the participants will feel enriched in your knowledge sharing. It was an outstanding presentation and highly informative. I also thank the audience for their support and participation and taking your time out.